Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode features by Tuli Kamara. She goes by Tuli, and her journey is one for the books. You know, you're going to walk away from this inspired to take action because as a student athlete, she started a nonprofit. She wrote her first book. Know, there's so much more that she's aiming to achieve to live in our purpose so i hope you enjoy great story here and let's get to it well you know, the question i always ask every guest that comes on is when you're younger as an athlete what's one of your bigger dreams the goal you want to achieve as a young athlete i would say the bar was set pretty high as the first time i ever saw a woman play i remember i played on the old boys team when i first started playing basketball i was introduced to the game by a woman but the first game I ever went to was a WNBA game. So I was like, that's me. (laughs) So it was like um, top tier. You know, I went from probably one hour thinking I was the only girl who played basketball to now seeing a whole professional league, you know, ignorance is bliss. So I would say it was definitely to just reach my potential. I don't think I ever really said I saw the WNBA. I loved it, but I think it was, to work to kind of reach my own potential was my biggest goal at that moment when I started at the age of 12. So there's two things on that. Then. So you said WBA and kind of reach your own potential, yeah. you know? So at the age of 12, what did that look like? Reach your own potential. Mm-hmm. Potential just meant being at the peak of, of my career because when I went to the game, what I loved the most was the diversity I saw on the court. And how everybody, and just being a young, inquisitive, you know, curious kid, I went from seeing Kia Vaughn, who's like 6'5", to like Leilani, Leilani Mitchell, who's like, you know, 5'6". And she's playing with tenacity. And I'm like, they're not the same, but they've all kind of reached their potential in some way or some regard. Um, Now that I'm older, I, I know that they're still playing and still working on their craft. But at that moment, it wasn't about comparison. It was about personal growth. But once you reach your personal growth, you can then get to the highest level. It's yeah. kind of how it I love that. So when you have that, you talk, you got this game and you're like, oh, I want to be on that stage with them. You know, I want to share the court and I want to, you know, pass Leoni, whatever, like maybe. How do you think I'm going to go about achieving that? It was just this sense of, I actually had a podcast with my first coach who taught me how to make like a, a layup. And she said, you just had this kind of hunger about you. And again, it was just this curiosity. I didn't know. I didn't know any of those players. I didn't know anyone at that level. But I just remember how much it it bugged me inside. Um, you know, nights where I would turn and I didn't know who to go to. Obviously, I had coaches at that point and AU and your dreams feel so far away. But they really allowed me to focus on the day-to-day. So that's what I did. I focused on the day-to-day and just really just tried to put in as much work as I could and what I could control. So I've learned from like the guests that I bring on that a lot of people have, you know, people so they kind of idolize, you know, that they like, they kind of want to emulate their game. So for you, somebody you kind of like, like watch it, like, ah, I want to learn their moves. It was definitely, I would first say growing up, uh, having an older brother, you kind of learn about the men's game. So my brother loved um, Hakeem. He always talked about him and dream. He, Hakeem the dream, you know, growing up in kind of a, a Muslim household, you know, Hakeem and his faith and what he stood for. That was the initial draw. But as I became more of a fan and study footwork, study Hakeem, Hakeem's footwork and all of the greats he's taught, 
then I started to look more about women and then Maya Moore. And I just remember watching um, them in the final four and little Wayne was on the sideline and it was kind of this weird thing where I just loved her drive and she just seemed like she's having so much fun with it. So at a young age, I was probably one of the first players that I really admired. So you kind of have idols and such. So at what point did you think like, yo, I'm pretty good at this ball. Like I can maybe, I have a chance of achieving my potential. Never. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I feel like it's definitely a journey, but I would say probably junior year of high school. I remember um, walking into, we have open gym, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, open gym where coaches come. And at that point I was, I was okay. You know, to me, I was okay. And we walk in and we have over, I want to say 25 college coaches. And these are just high D1 coaches. So we had Stanford that day. We had UConn. We had, you know, Kentucky, all in this building. And it was about five of my teammates, three of us who were really going top D1. And so it was kind of a surreal feeling as a young kid. But one that I didn't take lightly, I was nervous, you know. I wanted to be good, you know. I wanted wanted to perform well. So I would say it was kind of in that moment where it was like, okay, well, I have a long way to go, but we're taking baby steps <laughs> now. So what kept you grounded? You kind of, kind of, I think like you can talk to the part that you're just really humble and just even kill. What kind of helped you kind of just stay, you know, that there's always more that I can always do more? I would definitely say the people I was surrounded by, they, even from a young age, like for example, when I was 14, that's when I went to Blair Academy. Um, And that's kind of where I really developed my skills and who I am as a person. And one of my teammates, her name is Bridget and Annette and Femi, this core group of seniors who just had grit. Like you were not walking into their gym. And for me, I felt like I was a freshman. I was good. You know, I could do what I want. And they shut it down. Bridget, um, you know, graduated like top of her class at West Point. So talk about someone with discipline. And so she was just very adamant about the process and they would get up every day for 6 a.m. workouts, uh, you know, and like talk to me if I didn't and say, you know, you need to be there. So constantly always telling me you've never arrived. It is a journey. And my mentor, the same way, Shanae saying, you know, you have never arrived. It is a journey. And they're quick to say, you know, this is what you need to get better on. Um, will celebrate with me, but also tell me what I need to do better. You've never arrived. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that deep as something people can really can take value from too, you know, just mm-hmm. that you can always reach another level. You're never yeah. gonna you're never gonna reach that mountaintop. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So when it came time to you know choose that college, you know, because you were you know you were a one, you were top notch. Everybody everybody wanted to be on the, on the team, you know. So <laughs> how did <That's> you- <laughs> <laughs> They wanted you for sure. So I, I remember that you were like, what well, you were like number two, right? And so when it came down to choosing the school, you know, how did you kind of go about that first path at it? It was an interesting process. And to me, the recruiting process started off pretty stressful. You have all these great schools. You know, I used to just pray to God, God, just let me go D1. And the options, the options were there. So I was super fortunate to have that because I would live and I was in the same room with somebody who didn't even know if they were going to get a scholarship. So that kept me um, grounded and level-headed, but I did enjoy the process because I was thankful for it, thankful to get to know coaches. 
So pretty early on, I created pros and cons lists. I created questions. I asked each coach how far I wanted to go, if distance even mattered, if conference mattered. At the time, that didn't matter to me. And so from there, I narrowed it to my top five, to my top two, which was Kentucky and UConn. And I remember taking a visit early in UConn and then taking a visit to Kentucky in about May. And I thought at that time I was exhausted. I mind you, I only took one official visit, but I was exhausted with the process. You know, I was like, I'm completely over this. And I made great connections with the girls at Kentucky, with the coaching staff. And my mom felt comfortable. So at that point, and not to say I didn't feel that way at UConn, I felt the exact same way at UConn. But I guess what was there in front of me, it felt right at the moment. And so I kind of said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm uh, going into my senior year of AU, and I didn't want to have to choose. I wanted to be um, solidified before, excuse me, junior year, because at the time, that's when they first changed the rule. So I wanted to be committed by my senior year. I was done. I didn't want the pressure anymore. And I committed. And so that was an interesting process. So again, you know, the pros and cons list, talking to coaches, distance, taking all that into consideration. So when it came down to that pros and cons list, what did it kind of look like? For me, family is everything. And people say that lightly, but I wanted somewhere where I was going to be there for four years. And my biggest fear was transferring. I wanted to <laughs> perfect life. I wanted to make the perfect decision. I wanted a place where the players came back. You know, growing up, I heard of a lot of places and I've learned, I've learned now what it really means to come back and some people have access to come back and why they don't and why they do, because you can be on a team with 12 people and everyone has drastically different experiences. But I really wanted somewhere where a majority of the players came back. I wanted a place with rich history, not just, oh yeah, we're good and we're in this conference, but rich, like deep Kentucky blue history. You know, I love that UConn history. I want a tradition I felt that was important, especially after coming from Blair Academy, being able to see alums and connect with them. I love that. So that was huge to me. Player development, players who play like me, who look like me, um, and how they developed over time. And again, just that relationship piece. So those are two things that were huge to me. And again, with academics, being able to take the holistic route, players who actually talked about being a person versus those who actually developed and the curriculums they had in place. So were you reading a book to your team? Uh, where were they nurturing their growth from outside of school? So different things I looked into with team parent. I love that because it wasn't just based on, based on the name no. of the school. It was like there was the process behind how you're going to fit in and how you're going to be able to enjoy four yeah. years. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. So that freshman year at Kentucky, right? How would you describe that chapter? I could title that chapter. It is so funny. You know, the theme for that summer, I remember our first conditioning workout. The coach said, uh, our strength conditioning coach, he said, we're going to name this summer. It's going to be Expect the Unexpected. That was the name of the summer. So, you know, it was crazy. (laughs) Uh, Expect the Unexpected. And so that's exactly what I would say is encompassing of my time at Kentucky. I, I learned so much, though. I was around great people, a tough conference playing in the SEC every day competing. And there is nothing like your freshman year. There is nothing like I'm always in pain. <laughs> there is nothing you can, you can shake off the grind, you know, the, the schoolwork that feels never ending, the season that feels never ending, but also opening up and exploring new parts of yourself. You know, man, I didn't know I had that in me. I didn't know I could show up in that moment. So it definitely was an adjustment, but it was 
an incredibly awakening experience, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least, as, as any freshman would say for their year. When it came down to your sophomore year, you decided you wanted to switch traditions. Yeah. How did that decision come? Was it just like a thought process of just saying, you know, I want to make a change or is it like a gradual type deal? I would say for me, as I mentioned, especially for those athletes, you know, being a student athlete, it takes mind, body, soul, and spirit. So even if there were times where I I thought it or felt it, college takes so much out of you. And I never, I never wanted to look back and say, I didn't give it my all at that time there. That would have bugged me. So I I completely poured myself out um, to my time being there. But I would say after the season ended, we lost in the Sweet 16 to Washington. I was uh, so sick. <laughs> um, I was sick, literally. And I, and I just thought about that. I thought about my freshman career, um, what I wanted, the ability to see my family. A lot of times you always hear people say, go away. And you think it means go halfway around the country. And it's like, go away, but it can be close. <laughs> so being homesick was, was definitely real. And to think, can I get on a plane for four years straight? I don't know. So various things I thought about, the way the team was um, functioning and maneuvering, some of the coaches left at the time. So it was just a lot going on at that time. And for me, it wasn't, a lot of people think, oh, it was leaving Kentucky and going to UConn. It was just choosing UConn. You know, when the opportunity opened up, it wasn't, oh, this is everything wrong. It was, goodness, this is everything right, you know? Because Kentucky was was great and it served a great purpose in my life. But when the door opened up to go to UConn, it, it was a pretty seamless and, and easy transition. Kind of cool though, just like you know, the, you, you kind of got to be a part of two traditions that are very rich and, yeah. and you know, so it's kind of a unique experience. Absolutely. So when that summer came for UConn, what was that one called? The summer to UConn, it was called New Beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> It was called New Beginnings. That's what I would title my first summer at UConn. Um, I came with Azari Stevens, um, an amazing pro right now, a really good friend of mine. And she came from Duke. So we transitioned together. And it was one of those things where we knew early on, like, this place is different. Like, this is New Beginnings. And essentially what that meant was, I don't know what old habits you've created, but you will form new ones here. Because again, new culture, you know, you're, you're being redefined. And so it was definitely new beginnings for that summer. So, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, we, and people in sports, we, we kind, of, kind of see the the UConn from the outside. We see, you know, the videos and say, like, they're yeah. very consistent, X, Y, Z, you know, Gino and all this. What, what was it like just to be a part of that camaraderie, to be part of that culture, just in how it's a system that's of success? The Yukon brand and culture is something that it runs so deep. And for me, I'm so thankful that I was able to study sport management, study organizational culture and design now as a graduate student. So I was able to have this, I think, this level of appreciation for what they were doing and how they operated. Like I said, a long, rich tradition in history but one thing is, is working at a program who wants to do things the right way. You know, coaches constantly tell you, don't cut corners, you know, do it the right way and be a great person when you're doing it. So keeping all those things in mind, I'd say is a foundation and, and the principle of some of the things our coaches try to instill in us. And I think our direct reflection of the program. Yeah, I think you, you, can, you can learn a lot about culture, just like you're saying, and structure by just like 
watching how each year UConn's always in conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, there's never been a drop. So for you, like earlier you said, you know, your thing was reach potential. Mm-hmm. So how did you think about, you know, going about that now that you have this system? Like, how do you think, like, what does that look like now that you're in, in this place? It's always interesting when you have a dream and then you're confronted with the work you have to do for the dream. <laughs> it is it's nothing like seeing that mountain. And there's also nothing like seeing people who have overcome their own mountain in that regard, you know, to work to reach their own potential. So I would say getting to UConn, you know, having teammates alike, left to right, we all have dreams, we have aspirations. And, you know, this to some is just the beginning and to some this may be the end. So it was it was a very interesting dynamic, but it was a chance to wake up every day and to say, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And to not say that not everyone does or that my journey was a reflection of that, but it was just this awesome opportunity to say, you know, time and time again, practice and practice again, year and year again, these are the best coaches in the world. And if you can work or figure something out here, you're going to be okay. And you actually have coaches who want you to reach your full potential and who can actually help you get there. That was huge. Oh, so going on that, you know, during your journey, you met with that adversity, right? So what was like one of those moments that just kind of, it kind of made you reflect on on where you were and in, in the process? I would say I always reflect. I'm a super reflective person. So there was no part of the journey I wanted to miss. I always wanted to be, I'm using this phrase, like I should coin this phrase, honestly, because everyone says trust the process, but. I really believe you have to be present through the process because you can trust it and be blindsided. But when you trust the process, you're present through the process and you really work towards it. I think things become a lot more clear. So I'd say me being present, again, studying these things, um, speaking to those who have come before me and really digging deep to, to who I was kind of allowed me to really navigate and understand certain things. And during your time, you weren't just an athlete. And, you know, and you were, you were, you're starting to do things that was able to make an impact that was bigger than you. So how did that, you know, mindset or how did that idea come to life? I want to, I want to do more than just play ball. It is so interesting because I actually share this a lot and I think it clicks for me. My understanding of life as a student athlete clicked for me. Uh, once I saw Maya Moore do the work that she did, this is someone who I told you I just looked up to, have been able to meet and to say, you know, you have a passion in sports, but you stepped into your purpose and that's a whole different ballgame. And so for me, with the opportunities to first go back to my home country in 2017, where all I wanted to do was run a basketball camp, you know, I'd studied it a bit and I said, okay, these are what is on paper, but I wanted to know the girls for the girls And being able to run clinics for two weeks and to get to know more of the girls, I left and I couldn't shake it off. You know, it was just something about that experience, about going back as a first gen, um, seeing girls who were in positions like my mom, limited to access and resources and opportunities to say that, hey, we're watching you. It it shook me because, you know, you, you always think, okay, someone, I may sign an autograph. But to have little girls or to have like a country say like, 
hey, you know, we support you. We have your picture up. Like, we're watching you. It changed me because it expanded far more than basketball. It wasn't just Batuli the basketball player. It's Batuli our sister, you know, mm-hmm. Batuli the Guinean. So I, identities I kind of knew were salient, but we're now kind of at the backbone of, of how it's being viewed. So it was, it was a very interesting perspective. So again, went to Soul Searching Part 2. Um, had great mentors there who kind of reaffirmed me and made me step outside of myself as a student athlete and to say, what's that title really mean? And if you have a platform and you don't use it, you know, what is it all for? Like, if you might be the answer to someone's prayers just for being who you are and, and having a voice at this time and place. And I knew I wasn't permanent. So I said, if, if I could speak now or share her story now, it's not mine to share, but if I can share her story now and that's an impact, then I've done my part and I can go to sleep with that. So it felt natural. So opportunities to travel, easy. In my playing career, you could look, I was injured a lot, but I never signed up for a speaking engagement. I never had a hassle to travel, but I would be in the gym. It's all I wanted, but God was like, this might be your purpose. So it was really interesting dynamic. Uh, that's fire. Like, <laughs> like, I got chills hearing that because, you know, it's sometimes my favorite verse is Ephesians 3.20. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I kind of thought about like, God can a bigger dream for you than you can kind of dream for yourself. Yeah. And it seems like he kind of put you in that place then for you to like to realize how much impact you have just by being you. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And I would even say for you, we have a lot of times where we ask the master question, God, why me? Yeah. And um, I, I respond back with the Russell Wilson, why not me? You know, mm-hmm. why not me to share this testimony, to be this vessel? Why not me? So now that you kind of you kind of had your your heart, you know, kind of pull in a certain direction. How did that look after you kind of had those mentors kind of guide you? How did you kind of see of like, all right, I'm going to see this through. I'm going to start making one more one little step towards this purpose. Painful. It was tough. And I don't think we talk about it enough. It was not easy. Again, I started playing basketball at 12. I'm at the one of the top universities, top, you know, programs. You know, this is my dream. And my body just couldn't seem to work with me. But I always say, you know, even during this time right now in this quarantine, we may be limited physically, but that doesn't have to hold your your mind hostage. Your mind doesn't have to be held hostage. So I thought a lot. I thought a lot and I, and I planned a lot for things that the girls wanted, things that they would share with me. I'd write it all down. We want to do this. We want to do yoga. We want to have this camp. We want this uniform. Um, I plan and I dream and I'd want to see it through. There's a second part of your question. I want to. I want to make sure I hit that because it was good. Oh no! It, it would. It would just like now that you kind of had this. Like, what was like a step that you took that was kind of solidified that? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to eventually see it through. Yes, absolutely. I met with advisors on campus to say, you know, this is what I want to do, and I learned that you know, separation lies in execution. So the first thing they said is, if you want to do this, create a plan, create a name. I was like, you know, because once you name something, it means something a little more. Mm-hmm. It's no longer just an idea. You, you actually name it. You, you give it. It's coming. It's becoming something. So the first thing they do said was name it, you know, make it official. If this is keeping you up at night, 
you know? And at this time I was probably in my injury, probably in, I don't even know what, what injury, probably somewhere in the injury. So this is kind of my coping strategy, um, the things we don't talk about. So this is a positive outlet for me. Some may have negative outlets. So this was a positive outlet for me. So naming it was the first thing they did and then reaffirming me to say that this is good. You know, if this is something you want to do, it's possible. It is possible. And take the steps towards doing that. And what was that name they came up with? Women and Kids Empowerment, uh, Wake. So I was sitting there. I wanted something really cool, like basketball, life, you know, it was Holistic Hoopers. That's what was the name, the first name. It was uh, so corny. But I was like, what does this encompass? And I was just like, am I, you know, you kind of have that moment. And my mentor, um, Trisha, was like, well, what do you want it to be? Who are you trying to serve? Because she's like very straight to the point. Uh, she laughed if she said it. She's like, so what are you doing? Like, I got to go. And I was like, I just want to serve women and kids and empower them. She said, okay, women and kids empowerment. Bye. <laughs> you know, some people want the Cinderella story. But I was like, wake. And I always like, I'll go back to change it. But every time I, I went back, it was it just fit. You know, women and kids empowerment. That's it just fit. It just fit. So Love I it. stuck with it. I ran with it. And I felt at that moment I had an awakening, you know, so something mm-hmm. in me couldn't be put to sleep. So it was like a, an awakening. But if you look, look at the term wake, it's, it's a very interesting word. We won't get into that. But it is a, a very um, interesting word. But yeah, women and kids empowerment is kind of is what that stands for. Next call, we'll, to, we'll talk about that then. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so now, you know, we kind of fast forward to the senior year, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you had all these expectations of what this was going to look like, you know, like this is like, you know, the last dance, right? So as this season progressing, was it going the way we thought it was going to go? This was probably my hardest season ever. And it's not to say, you know, because we plan in God plans and, and I, to me, God is the best of planners. And so I'm at a point now where I can't tell my story without talking about God because it doesn't feel right. And so this season I felt great. I came back, you know, storybook. I came back, I trained, my body was feeling good. My mental was feeling good. I came back for my fifth year, you know, and I said, it is all or nothing. It is all or nothing for me. And I went and the season, I want to say five days probably before our first game, I was so I had to get like knee surgery. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and so all my other injuries kind of happened, you know, in practice, you know, in a quick game. So things I hadn't expected, but to kind of sit and to say, okay, yeah, you, you really have to do this. Or I think, you know, should I play through this? Was, was an interesting kind of space to be in. So you know, November 4th, I, I made sure the doctor, I said, just let me have my birthday, please, before the surgery. I, I'll be in pain. So two days after my birthday, I had knee surgery. So it was a pretty tough transition for me mentally because you come back for that extra year, you know, for that final closing, for that final act. And it was like, okay, you have to do this. But again, just just faith over fear to say, okay, you know, I don't, I don't write this book. I don't write this script, but I don't ever want to be like an energy vampire. So there's other people who are dealing with things. So we're going to get through this just how we've been. And that's just by staying encouraged. Staying encouraged and just having faith at the whole process. What'd you say? Persevere to the process? Persevere to the process. Everything's in the process. But know that it's a process. Yeah. But know that it's a process. It's not instant gratification. It's not going to look like what you need, but it will be what you need to be who you need to become. So... 
everything through the process, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, in the world, we kind of, we kind of hit this pandemic, you know, and there's, and there's so much that we can look and like and be like, man, why is this happening? Right. And there's so much darkness in the way, but I kind of feel like you're doing things that bring light. Cause like you just released the book, right? A children's book. Yeah. And, and I think that's so cool because it's like, I love what you're doing because you were still a student athlete, you know, and, and I hope that any athlete that really listened to your story, whether in high school or college, even a pro athlete, be like, yo, Tuli is doing a big thing that, you know, with, you know, X, Y, Z schedule. And hopefully that inspired them to kind of, you know, the level up and do, do something themselves. Absolutely. And that is one thing I want a lot of people to take away is there is nothing like a plan. You know, I wrote the book two years ago and you can ask my teammates, we would be headed to games. People would sleep. I would just drink some water and say, let me write this script. Let's just see what happens, (laughs) you know? And that's kind of how I approached it. It was a story that has been lingering in my heart. The book is called A Basketball Game on Wake Street. And essentially, it's through my travels and my experience of diversing girls with unique experience, unique abilities. I grew up in New York. All we do is play pickup basketball. And I remember taking trips. And I went, I went to India. And one of the boys were playing pickup. And he calls one of his friends. And they're speaking sign language. Is my I knew about sign language. But it was my first time seeing it in pickup. And then going to Guinea and saying, you know, one of my friends is a sharpshooter. He comes in, um, dope, clean, prosthetic arm. And I'm like, yo. And it made me thought back to my experiences. Who was I calling for my pickup games? And who wasn't I calling? And why wasn't I calling them? Why didn't I see them? Why didn't we have a space for them? And so bringing those together to say, okay, well, if I can just create this children's book, if young Batuli at 12 could say, okay, when you had to wear goggles at Kentucky, it's okay to wear goggles at Kentucky. You know, like Mary in the book has goggles. She has a cool inhaler and she's super active. And you can do that. You can have the courage to do that. There's a space for you here. And sport, I hope, can be that for you as it was for me and as it still is for me. So that's what a basketball game on Wake Street was. It was just a combination of my experiences. And I literally just wrote the script in a day. I hit up my friend and I said, hey, do you know a publisher? Do you know an editor? They're like, yeah. And then I remember we were on our way to some game and they sent it to me as a PDF. And I just got chills. I was like, this is amazing. So being efficient, being efficient with your time. We talk about it a lot, but, you know, my days start at like 7 a.m. I go to sleep at 8 p.m. You know, this is untimely, but I do go to sleep early and I try to maximize those days. You know, you're dope. Like, 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 for real. You're dope. This is dope. I don't even know how to get on Zoom. (laughs) No. We all have our struggles. (laughs) I'm like, man, I, I'm hearing your story. I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like my head, like, what can't she do? And I don't think there's nothing you can't do. I'm like, what can't you do? Like this, literally, I'm so easily inspired. This motivates me. Hey, likewise, it motivated me right now. Just like, cause like for me, like I always want to write a book. But I'll probably be like, ah, I'm going to hold off on it. But you were like, I'm just going to do it one day. Pop, pop, pop. Boom, boom. So while you're kind of like now in this transition phase, right, you know, you're starting to to really step into the purpose. What's next for you right now? I, what's next is I have to graduate. I think that's the purpose. <laughs> okay. You know, school has this beautiful way of humbling you. With assignments due at 1159, school is an incredible 
<laughs> reminder. <laughs> the first is to, again, as I, as I mentioned, graduate um, with my master's in sport management um, with a focus on sport for development. So that's first and foremost priority, you know, God willingly in May. And the second part of that is pursuing a professional playing career. You know, life isn't what it, it, what it always seems and it's a dream. You know, it's always been a dream of mine. And I wake up, you know, I run, I run outside and I'm like, you know, why not me? And let the cards fall where they may. But I'm going to try to show up for that moment, you know, with a prayer and a dream and, and work <laughs> and work. <laughs> so for me right now, as I mentioned, you know, finish up grad school, working to play professionally, continuing on the nonprofit organization, Women and Kids Empowerment, really in my heart and soul. It's my passion project. It's my purpose project to build a boarding school in Guinea it would be my ultimate dream. And to work for an awesome organization that's doing the work at the grassroots level. So that would be amazing. But, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell me your plans. plans. So we'll hear about this in, in five years. <laughs> we'll, we'll see where it went. I love it. And, and it just almost how you said earlier, you know, you wanted to reach your potential. And mm-hmm. I feel like your, your, your potential, like you're, you haven't even gotten, gotten close to it yet. So it's kind of amazing just to, I'm inspired to see what you do in five years. Kind of it's going to be something that's going to just impact the culture. And that's going to like really trickle down and just like start like a snowball effect around of people and women and kids and just really, I'm excited for you. Appreciate that. I really yeah. need to laugh. So last question for you, if I let you go, I know it's late. Where are you at social media wise? Social media, I'm everywhere, nowhere. I said nowhere because I will go ghost. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kidding. But social media on Instagram, you can follow me at Tooley, T-O-O-L-Y-Y-Y. The last wise extra. Tooley, that's Instagram, Twitter. Batuli Kamara, um, straightforward. Facebook, if you're into that, Batuli Kamara. LinkedIn, Batuli Kamara. Um, I try to keep it consistent. I don't have TikTok. Not yet. Not no. I won't. <laughs> I won't. I can't go down that that stream. No Snapchat. I don't have that business. <laughs> we got, we are business only. Email. That's it. But yeah, I'm I'm more active on Instagram. So feel free to follow me there. And you're doing some live calls too, right? I mean, we can try talking about that. Yeah. I actually did my 20th live call today. I have a series called Going Live where I just connect with dope individuals across various industries. This morning was with Gannon Baker, um, professional skills developer, to anyone from models and people who are doing some amazing work um, in the digital media creative spaces, just to create some connections and some dialogue and insight on who the person is behind the brand. So conversations like this is, is what I love. So yeah, follow our series Going Live. Hope and then real real happen for you too. So where'd your book at? How you get the book? The book will Amazon right now is not publishing non-essential books as a printed copy, but the ebook should be available in about two weeks, uh, which I'm really excited about. We have to do some other things as it's now printing as an ebook, but the physical copy should be available in May. So I'm super excited about that, and that will be a series. So stay tuned for that. Definitely, let me know that because I need a copy for sure. Absolutely. John <laughs> coffee, of course. <laughs> oh, oh, my mom made it. <laughs> well, too, like, I really appreciate you coming on. Like, like I said earlier, like, you're dope. Like, keep doing big things. We are, we yeah. are mirrors and windows. So, Definitely. we are mirrors and windows. I appreciate it. Thank you. Anyone, enjoy your night. And we'll talk soon, my friend. All right.
Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With a Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.